The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of the California Angels and the City of Los Angeles, on the occasion of Her Majesty's royal visit, please welcome internationally renowned opera star Enrico Palazzo. Yes, he's in the intensive care ward at Our Lady of the Worthless Miracle. Welcome in, everybody. I am Michael Govier. And, oh, I had the mute down on that. That's why we didn't hear it. Utah. There it is. Give me two. This there is a Palazzo Podcast. <laughs> Benjamin Chase and Michael Govier. We do the Prospects Power Half Hour every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Although, uh, Ben, I, I need to talk to you about this because I got hired yesterday. I got a job. My first job as a counselor. I was hired. So we might have to modify that time now because I'm going to be a responsible human being five days a week. But we'll worry about that later. Today, we've got an outstanding <laughs> guest from Baseball America. He writes about the MLB draft. He knows a lot about the MLB draft. He knows a lot about, really, just prospects and baseball overall. He's a load and wealth of information. Very excited that Ben was able to bring aboard Carlos Colazzo. Welcome in, Carlos. Nice to have you here. This is a Palazzo podcast debut for you, and we couldn't be happier than we are right now. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. This should be fun. I love talking draft. I spend the entire year covering it. Uh, obviously, seeing the 23 draft, it was a, a really impressive group of talent. So, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. excited to dive in with you guys. It, 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 I, I'm not going to be the only one that says this, but the alliteration of uh, uh, Colazzo on the Palazzo is kind of you know a fun thing, I just got to say. You know? Yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. I've had a, a, only a few people have called me Colazzo, how you guys pronounce it, Colazzo. Uh, but yeah, it is funny that, that the similarities are there. I thought about it a lot. And I, I was, had to steal the podcast name. I was really sad that it wasn't two L's and two Z's. We're so close. Yeah, I was like, oh, man. But that's okay. That's fine. We're here to talk about the MLB draft. You know, we covered it, me and Ben, as we led up to it, and then we did kind of a post-wrap-up. But now we want to get the thoughts of the man who lives it all year long. Carlos, 
right now, August 17, 2023, how did you view the overall draft? What are some overall trends and maybe just some general thoughts on it to start with? Yeah, in terms of overall trends, I mean, it was pretty college heavy. I think this is one of the, it actually is the best draft class that I've covered. So that, that goes back to the 2017 draft. I know we had some scouts throughout the, the draft cycle sort of saying that um, this is the best draft in maybe a decade plus. So I think it was just a very strong draft overall. There were few question marks in any specific demographic. I think maybe the two you could point to are college pitching specifically in terms of depth, because we did have good college pitching at the top of the draft and then catcher depth. We really had three catchers mm -hmm. that went early after that, I think pretty significant drop off outside of those two specific demographics. I think the industry as a whole really praised the impact talent of this class, the depth of this class. And when you see a first round that's so hitter heavy and so college heavy at premium defensive positions, I think all of those things tell you that it's a good draft class and there are five players who were taken in the first five picks, who I think in any average year had really strong cases as 1-1 sort of yeah. talents. And obviously only one of those guys uh, could get that title in this year's draft. Yeah. And that's, I guess that's kind of the spot I'd like to start on this, Carlos. Is just, with that group, did you, coming into the draft, did you have a good idea that, that Skeens was going to be the guy, number one? I mean, a lot of places said mm -hmm. going straight up to that day, we just don't know which, I mean, it could be any one of these five. Heck, there could be a, a guy who comes from outside of that that pops in for the right mm -hmm. money. But it seemed kind of hard to imagine someone not taking one of those top five in the top five. Yeah, in terms of the draft itself, I think there was a lot of uncertainty. And like you said, all of the five players made a lot of sense in that number one spot. I mean, just a few years ago, the Pirates took a pretty significant haircut with Henry Davis 1-1. Yeah. And I think this was another year where like, if you don't feel like there's a clear cut top talent in the draft, maybe that strategy makes sense as well. Uh, as long as you're staying in this kind of elite top five grouping, mm -hmm. I didn't have much confidence in who was going on draft day. We had, I think uh, a few years now I've changed my mock draft from the day before to draft day. And in every instance that I've done that the day before mock is actually more accurate. So I had skis <laughs> the day before. And then the night of the draft, the night before the draft, I should say, there was a lot more Wyatt Langford chatter for whatever reason from the industry and just people that I was talking to. So I had him there in that spot, but I think Skeens, Langford, and Clark were probably the names that were being thrown around most consistently. Uh, so seeing Skeens go one there wasn't surprising, although to tell you I was confident he would be the pick would be a large overstatement mm -hmm. as well. We were all kind of just waiting to see what would happen. And, and they've all looked great coming out. I mean, they all really, they've all kind of hit the ground running, all five of them as they've gotten started in their pro career. Yeah, they really have. I mean, it's a small sample for all these guys, but I was just kind of looking into the performance before I got on here. You, you really can't criticize the performance of any of these players. None of them have been beyond high A at this point. I'm honestly curious to see how much Skeens is even going to throw because he had a pretty yeah. heavy workload with LSU and, and being a college pitcher going into pro ball, that's a little bit different than the hitters. But yeah, all these guys are hitting for average. They're getting on base. They're hitting for power. Um, Again, it's early, it's small sample sizes, but even in a small sample size, you would rather the guys be performing well than, than scuffling and raising questions. So just to see them kind of having a nice transition into pro ball, at least from the performance side, is really good to see. Because if we just look back to 2022's draft, there are a lot of players in that class that haven't started their pro careers very solidly as well. So 
hopefully this keeps up for these guys and I'm sure the teams who have selected them, their fans are going to be really excited for that to continue as well. I have to jump in because I'm in Metro Detroit, born and raised. Go Tigers. And I'm curious uh, what you think of Max Clark and his future potential. You know, I had conversations with a couple of different people. He's young, right? He's a high schooler. He's coming out of high school. And some said he's immature and he might not fit in in terms of his personality or that the Tigers might not be equipped, frankly, to harness the most out of his potential. I'm wondering how you see all that. Yeah, the comments about Max Clark being immature, I think you could just throw those out the window unless it's someone that has actually talked to him and knows him. I mean, Max Clark is a very famous prospect, and because of that, there are a lot of people that just don't want to like him for whatever reason. The fact that he has cameras around him consistently, the fact that he has more Instagram followers than most of the major league players in baseball right now, there are a lot of people who just don't like that for whatever reason. I got to talk to Max Clark briefly. He seemed extremely mature for his age. I've talked to people who have been around him throughout his youth career, and they have nothing but uh, praise for his work ethic, his mentality. He embraces the spotlight. If that rubs you the wrong way, I think that's a personal problem that you're probably going to have to just take up with yourself. It's not a problem with Max specifically. People in baseball especially always lament the fact that, oh, MLB does not do a great job promoting its stars. Well, Max Clark does a great job promoting himself and promoting the game. He plays the game the right way. He's got the tools to fit in this range. Ben Badler at Baseball America, who I work with, he has long thought Max Clark was a very viable 1-1 candidate. Mm -hmm. um, he is super high on his tool set, on his ability to develop power in the future. So I, I don't take, I mean, I mean, if you're hearing that from people, I would ask them, do you know Max Clark? Have you talked to him? Like, who are you hearing this from? Otherwise, I, I just think like it's mostly noise. I, I don't even like to comment on the makeup of the players because I'm not, I'm not around them. I don't get to know them. I will talk to scouts about what they think, but we don't even really write about that too often because I can't tell you with any accuracy. Um, and it's also important to remember that these are teenagers. Like these, these are kids who are still growing and developing. They're learning who they are. They've, they've got a lot of life to live. I, I, I can't imagine if I was judged as harshly as some of these players who are taken out of high school, like, like guys like Matt Clark and maybe Walker Jenkins are, I certainly wouldn't want that. And I know I've changed quite a bit since I was 18 years old. So I think people should probably just relax about yeah. the Max Clark uh, criticism. Well, well the more about the Tigers though, let's go. How about the Tigers ability mm -hmm. to surround him with everything he needs to flourish? Maybe not just him, but just overall commentary on the Tigers as a developmental team. I'm curious about that angle. Yeah, I think that's maybe the more interesting thing to talk about as well because we can actually see it on the field. That's what actually matters. Um, I think you probably would have wanted to see a little bit better returns by some of the prospects they've had at this point, although it seems like Spencer Torkelson is sort of figuring things out now. Um, it takes time. I, I think they have all of the – I mean, I don't necessarily know that Detroit doesn't have what Max Clark needs. I think a lot of it is just going to be up to him um, to figure it out and to perform. Um Certainly, there are some organizations that have just developed a stellar reputation in player development overall. Not everyone can be the Dodgers uh, or the Rays uh, or the Braves or other teams that just seemingly pump out big league players. So if you want to be a little bit more critical about just what Detroit has done, their reputation developing players, maybe that is more warranted. But I don't think it has really much to do with Max specifically. Mm -hmm. And I also think that, especially for these top-end players, I don't really know how hands-on these teams really need to be until these players fail. Like you took them at the very top of the draft for a reason. Uh, he's got pretty elite tool set and skill set. Um, so until he starts to struggle and really needs to 
get someone in his ear either to adjust his approach or how he's going about the game or or, or some skill that that maybe is is showing itself as not being ready for whatever level he's at. I think that's when maybe you can start to get a little, little bit more hands-on. Um, but until then, you took him number three for a reason. So I think you just let him go out, do his thing, play, see what happens. Um, and then I guess in three or four years, we can see how well a job they did. Joe yeah. wants to know, did Carlos pour one out for Chase Dollander after day one? <laughs> oh, that's a that's a really good question i mean it's so tough for colorado and pitchers i mean if you're a pitcher i can imagine like colorado's just got to be near the bottom of your list because it's such a tough environment to pitch in i i can't lie and say that i wasn't a little bit disappointed because i personally love chase dolander i know he didn't have the greatest draft year just compared to some of the expectations he entered the season with um i think the rockies I think it's smart for them to draft pitchers just because, I mean, who are the last notable free agent signings that, that, that they're able to get just given the cores factor. I think if you're Colorado, you have to do a lot of your pitching development in house. Uh, you have to draft and sign players as amateurs and, and hope to develop them so you can get some value out of them as big leaguers. It's, it's certainly tougher for, for a pitcher to perform there. So I, I don't think it's the best landing spot for him personally. At the same time, I still very much buy into his talent. I think uh, there's a chance for him to be the second best talent, uh, overall talent as a pitcher beyond Paul Skeens. Um, just watching him pitch, it's so easy. It's so smooth. And when he's on, it's two plus pitches pretty easily. So I'm very curious to see how that one looks, how fast he gets to the big leagues and, and how that, home park impacts him because it just seems like it's so tough to find a pitcher that really avoids it entirely. Um, so we'll see what happens, but I, I really do like the talent. All right. Ben, so, please take it away. Here. Know, By the way, we're live with Carlos, yeah. everybody. Please follow Carlos on what used to be known as Twitter. No longer Twitter. It's X at Carlos A. Are we calling it X? We yeah. Have to do that? No, I don't want to. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> I call it the place formerly known as Twitter. That's Carlos A. That's Colazzo. That's C-O-L-L-A-Z-O. Uh, he works at Baseball America. Make sure you follow his work there. Check it out. That's the place to be. So I guess the, the next question to think about for most folks is if you're looking at where you know, talking about this development, who are, and, and, you know, obviously Donner going to, going to Colorado, not a great spot for what you would hope he could develop into. Where are some guys that did end up in a spot that's really good for what they may develop into? Yeah, that's a, I think that's a good question too. It's fun to think about that. Um, the first player that I think of, and maybe one of the most exciting picks on day one for me was Hurston Waldrip going 24 yeah. to the Braves. And the fact that they were able to do that on an underslot deal is just a cherry on top for Atlanta. I mean, I thought he was a, a top 15 sort of talent in terms of pure arm talent. I think he's a top 10 talent in this draft class. There is some reliever risk with him. Uh, there are some command strike throwing questions um, that he's shown in the past. I almost view him as this is not a perfect comp by any means, but in terms of the overall player stuff, strike throwing questions, it's almost like a college or a right-handed Shane McClanahan. And so yeah. he had some of those same reliever questions and, and Tampa Bay clearly just took a shot on the pure stuff. I think Waldrop is a similar player. And I think because of Atlanta's track record of developing pitchers, um, that's just a phenomenal player uh, organization fit. I mean, he's got a fastball regularly in the mid nineties, gets into the upper nineties. I think his split changeup was arguably the best changeup in this draft class. It's yeah. an absolute weapon that disappears, falls off the table. 
He's thrown two breaking balls. I'm assuming the, the Braves are going to focus more on the slider. That's a pitch that's been plus in the past as well. And the Braves have a pretty simple and straightforward pitching philosophy. They want their players to throw their best pitches, and they want them to just put them over the plate and let this stuff play and work. Um, so I think that's a, that's one that jumps out immediately to me. Uh, the next one is probably Enrique Bradfield to the Orioles at 17. Oh, Bradfield we had a question about that too. Polarizing... See, someone brought it up already. Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, great one. I, I think that one, Bradfield was maybe one of the most polarizing profiles in the class because mm-hmm. he, he has this extreme tool set. It's 80 grade speed, 80 grade defense in center field. Real questions about impact. And then he's another player who didn't really have the sort of draft year that you want to see from him it, a player with that skill set should be hitting over 300 in the sec and the fact that he didn't do that his junior year after doing it freshman and sophomore year i think that raised some questions teams really don't like to take outfielders in the first round that have impact questions if you look back at the bonus pool era first round outfielders he ranks near the bottom i think he's like bottom five in just terms of power production but the Orioles have also done an excellent job developing hitters over the last few years. I think they're probably at the top of the list when I think of organizations that have gotten the most out of their hitting prospects. Gunnar Henderson was a second round pick. He was not expected to be the sort of prospect that he is now. Um, they have the top farm system in baseball in large part because they have both identified and developed hitters at the top of the draft very well. I don't know if Bradfield is necessarily a player that needs some sort of massive swing change or mechanical overhaul because he does have a flat swing, a line drive swing, ground ball swing that plays well with his strengths. I'm hopeful that the new rules in baseball allow this profile just to be more relevant in general. But I think if I was, if I wanted Bradfield to go to any specific team, the Orioles would be high up on the list um, just because they've done such a good job with hitters. And, that's a player that I was maybe more skeptical of than the industry, along with a, a few other people at BA. Um, and that fitting makes me a little more confident in in the player just projecting him out over the next few years. We had one other question here in the live chat, Ben. Uh, oh, well, you want to finish up on Bradfield? Go ahead, then we can move on to it. No, I actually was going to go a different route and just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get to the question, but my, my other thought was on the flip side, is there someone who really you think might have ended up in potentially a bad spot other than Dolliner, obviously, but I mean, that might've ended up in a bad spot for their future development. Well, I mean, Jacob Wilson got drafted by the A's. I can't imagine yeah. anyone wants to go play in Oakland right now, given the state of that franchise. So um, I th- that's the low hanging fruit. I mean, they're obviously an organization that has a ton of question marks. Um, Kansas city is a team that's really struggled. Uh, although with Blake Mitchell, I think they've done a, a decent job with some hitting prospects. They have Bobby Wood Jr. has been looking pretty good. There's no other team I'd say that specifically jumps out as, Oh, this is a huge red flag for me. Um, kind of just scanning down the draft to see if there are any that jump out. I don't really see, have one. I think, yeah, go ahead. My, my biggest one that I noticed and just kind of popped in my brain, there were some questions on Kyle Teal being a catcher long-term and I think if he's mm. in the Red Sox system, more than likely that bat's going to develop. They just, it mm. seems like to me, they've struggled to develop quality defense behind the plate. They've gone outside the yeah, and a lot of their catchers lately. This is the Palazzo Podcast. Up next after the break, Ben reveals his top 1,000 Atlanta Brave prospects in order. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's an interesting one. I would have to look into that more to see actually the the track record of them developing defensive catchers. I, I am always interested in in what is the what is the scouting report of catcher defense like two years removed from a draft because it seems mm-hmm. like that like the correlation of pre draft positive or negative grades with catcher defense doesn't doesn't really seem to align very well with like two years later. Bo Naylor was one who was a, mm-hmm. a pretty good example. He was viewed as not likely to catch at the next level, or at least unlikely. And then two years later, he was being talked about as one of the better receivers um, in minor league baseball. So I think there is a, a pretty steep learning curve and a pretty big difference in the instruction that catchers get as amateurs compared to just the pro environment and the amount of reps that you get at the position in pro ball, not having to go to school and focus on classes, really being able to be a student of, of the game of catching, I think will help Cal Teal. What maybe will allow him to stick there longer, because I do think there is some refinement necessary. And I thought he made pretty good strides year over year as a sophomore to his junior in terms of just his pure receiving. Uh, but he might be one of the best pure athletes in this draft class. That's, I remember watching yeah. him in high school. He played every position on the field at East Coast Pro. He's a great runner. I, I think he, he literally could go play center field. There are not a lot of catchers you could say that about. And he has plus arm strength as well. So he has the tools. He has the athletic foundation. Just his where he's been trending defensively over the last year, year and a half, I think is encouraging. And and I think I'm at a point now as a writer of prospects that I almost give catchers the benefit of the doubt because they change so much once they get into pro ball. Um, I think, and, and scouts have told me this, I think evaluating catcher defense for amateur players is one of the hardest things to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. We're live here with Carlos Galazzo from 
We're saying Colazzo. Sorry about that. It's just so Palazzo <laughs> ingrained in my head. Uh, he's live from Baseball America. Make sure you follow him. Connect with him. Baseball America. MJ Govier, Big Gentle Ben on what used to be known as Twitter. Of course, Palazzo Podcast, two L's and two Z's. Utah. This is from the live Give chat. Two. Was Carlos surprised the Yankees went Lombard over Stefura, given all the pre-draft rumors? Yeah, that is a great one. I think the Yankees are a team that seemingly like there's no secret about who they like in any given draft year. I feel like they're always picking in the 20 plus range of the draft. And really, since I've started doing mock drafts for Baseball America, I felt pretty confident in the player team links I've had with New York. Anthony Volpe was one a few years back. Uh, Spencer Jones last year. Mm -hmm. It, It seems like they don't really make it too much of a secret of who they like. We knew they liked Lombard as well. But there was very little chance that I was ever going to move off of Stafura there just because missing missing that pick while not having Stafura, given all the hype, would be so much worse for me personally <laughs> than missing uh, yeah. by having Stafura there and them going in another direction. I just would have felt like a complete buffoon if they actually took Stafura there and I didn't have it. Because we had the information. It was like one of the hottest player team links. And especially when we are talking in the 20-plus range, um, you don't often get super strong player team links in that range. It's more of like there's this big grouping of players who fit here. We know they like this player. We know they might not like this player, but there's still a big grouping. Um, and so I was a little surprised as much as you can be surprised in that range. I think it's it's so wide open that we should all maybe just lower the confidence level that we have in general. Um, but it is funny that that they were so strongly linked to Stafura mm-hmm. and, and he doesn't go at that pick, even though he was available uh, Thomas White was another player who they were linked to. Obviously, got probably more money than the Yankees would have been able to give him at that pick a few picks later. Um, but yeah, that one was interesting. I think Lombard fits on talent in that range as well. That whole kind of second tier shortstop grouping is fascinating. It was really hard for me to separate and line up on talent just on our draft board throughout the spring. And I think you could really pick any of those shortstops and, and line them up in whatever order you want, just based on your preferences or, or your specific looks with players. It's a fun group. Interesting. Yeah. So I guess, you know, we have a lot of folks that are, that enjoy fantasy with our, in our audience. And, uh, you know, they're going to be looking at their first year player draft and looking to pick out a guy at, I mean, just last year we had Dalton rushing, who was a, you know, what fourth round pick, right? Uh, I think, think he was, he was a little earlier than that. The Dodgers, I think he was the still, Dodgers uh, second round or second pick okay. or something like that. But regardless, he wasn't that first round pedigree that everyone's mm-hmm. like, okay, this is definitely a guy I need to know for, you know, my FYPD draft. Well, you know, mm-hmm. by the time that season came around the next spring, yeah, you definitely wanted to make sure rushing was in your first couple of rounds are there some guys that are like that that really have that kind of bat first impact? I mean, we're already seeing. Um, oh gosh, I'm going to screw up his name from in the Angel system. His last name, um, uh, Sean Al- Oh, oh, I Nolan Shanwell. Yeah, Shanwell. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's going to make it up to the ma- or make it up quick. And heck, the the Angels might be going for the third year in a row where they get the or third year <laughs> in a row where they get the first guy to the majors, but. He to me seems like more of a, I, don't, I kind of put a Hal Morris, Sean Casey type of vibe as far as what he might do offensively at his best. But yeah. as far as a fantasy guy, I mean, there's some guys. I mean, one that has caught my eye is Geno Gruber, and yeah. uh, in the Diamondback system, and he just looks like he can 
he can make contact with everything and has some power in there too. He's just not tapped into a ton of it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he seems like a guy. Mac Horvath is another one I thought in real life probably is a guy who fits best at DH. Um, I mean, he's really not, he's not a bad athlete. It just doesn't mm-hmm. seem like he's got a definite defensive home right now, but the offensive yeah. really fun. So, yeah, I think I would agree. I think I would agree strongly with Shane well and Gina Groover. I, I think maybe we have some different opinions on Horvath, which could be interesting to get into, but I do think you're probably looking for fantasy specifically what I think of are like those offense first corner profiles or basically just throw the defense um, out of consideration. It doesn't matter as much uh, if they're a great defender, as long as they're getting the ABs in the playing time. I think Jenny, well, the fact that he's going to be a fast mover, the fact that the angels have a track record of moving these college guys very quickly. I mean, he checked all the boxes that you want to see a player check in terms of batted ball profile and batted ball data in college. It's a great chase rate. It's a great contact rate. He hit the ball hard. I'm curious to see what the power is going to be like for both Shannon Will and Groover in pro ball once they go from metal to wood. Um, for a lot of college players, I think I'm curious about that because the home run rates we saw in college this year oh. were so elevated and there were yeah. so many concerns about just hot bats in general. So all of these college players, I'm curious like what the drop-off and exit velocities are going to be. There will be some drop-off because you're going from metal to wood. Um, but as long as they keep hitting the ball hard, I think they have – the hitting skills in terms of pitch selection, um, in terms of contact ability, to be pretty well-rounded offensive players. I think Horvath is maybe a little bit more interesting because I, I almost consider him more of a toolsy player who I have some hit questions about. I think yeah. there are some yeah. mechanical elements of his swing, mm-hmm. um, some bat speed concerns, some just pure hit tool concerns that I would have, whereas I think he's a pretty phenomenal athlete. I think he's got plus arm strength. He probably fits best as a corner outfielder. He runs really well, so I think the range there plus a plus the arm strength he has could fit well in right field. Um, he's played some third base, probably a little bit raw over there. Um, and then maybe another player who I think is interesting in this capacity um, is is Jake Geloff. I think you oh, give him yeah. a, the benefit of going to the Dodgers. He's also a corner guy who is very much power power oriented in terms of his profile. He was the career home run leader at Virginia. He's got bloodlines. His brother, Zach was, was also a third baseman at Virginia Mm -hmm. is in pro ball. So he's very much an offensive oriented player. And so maybe he could be another target. If he has a strong pro debut, uh, a guy that you just feel confident is going to hit, hit for power, get on base. I don't love his swing as much as some of these other guys we've talked about, but it's hard to argue with the track record that the Dodgers have had in terms of getting the most out of their players. So I think he could be another one that's not necessarily the super famous first round type, uh, but could be maybe a sneaky fantasy value. That's interesting. Man, a lot of good stuff here from Carlos. We're live at the Bloodso Podcast, 2Ls, 2Zs. Utah. Benjamin Chase, Govier, and Carlos Galazzo from Baseball America. Uh, we got a few more minutes still. Well, uh, we had one more question. I thought I'd jump real quick on this. Do we all underrate Cole Kerrig? Yeah, Cole Kerrig. We had him. I think we had him pretty early on, around the top forty range, like entering the year. Very quickly dropped him down significantly. There are real big concerns about his ability to impact the ball, his offensive package. Mm-hmm. Overall, I think we ended up sliding him down to around the like 80 to 120 range. He went a little bit higher than that. I think what really helped him, or or at least for me personally, I got to see him at the MLB Draft Combine. He was maybe one of the most impressive players there. 
Uh, he threw 100 miles per hour across the diamond. He threw 102 from the outfield. He got behind the plate and he looked good at catcher. So I think defensively, athletically, there never really have been questions. I think he could be a good shortstop. He could be a good outfielder. I'm really fascinated in, in the catcher defense if they're going to go that route with him or if he's just going to be this super utility type. I still kind of want to be proven wrong about the offensive ability with him. He never hit the ball hard. We looked at like the top 200 college hitters on our list just to see sort of exit velocities and contact ability. And he was near the bottom of that grouping just in terms of how hard he hits the ball. Um, so I think you need to see more impact at the next level. There was not a lot of conviction that I had with Scouts that he was going to be an average hitter. We had 40 hit, 30 power on him. And so I think if you have that view of him offensively, he really needs to do something great defensively. Um, I think his all of his tools that are really loud come in that supplemental area, that defensive area. He's a, gr he's a good runner. He has a chance to be a plus defender at a number of positions. He's got double plus arm strength. Um, obviously, given those velocities that we we're talking about a second ago, the question for him is just, is he going to develop power? Is he going to impact the ball more consistently? What sort of hitter are we actually going to get with him? Um, so th those are my question marks for him. I, I would want to see some of the exit velocity data and performance early on. Um, but every year we're wrong on some players and Cole yeah. could easily be one of the players that we're wrong on. So he he's certainly fun. I think the way he goes about it, the value that he adds to your team makes him a very unique player in this draft. And similar to Enrique Bradfield, players of this kind of type that are not necessarily the biggest power hitters, I hope that there is a place for them in the game because I think the game is more fun when you have more varied skill sets and profiles. See, I think it's just crazy. He's played catcher, short, and center since in his pro debut so far. I mean, what kind of player has the defensive ability to stick at those or to play at those three spots in their pro debut? That's just it's really unheard yep. of. And he's very good at them all, too, seemingly. Like, yeah. we've heard good things about his shortstop defense, plus grades on that, center field as well. I think catcher is maybe the biggest one um, that I, I'm not sure, like, what his value is there now. But he certainly has all the tools, the athleticism, the arm strength to do it. He looked pretty impressive throwing the ball in just a workout environment. Obviously, mm -hmm. catching uh, in a game is significantly different, but a really fun player. Yeah. Wow, man, we covered a lot of ground here today. Uh, ben, was there anybody yeah. else you want to talk about before we wrap the show up that we didn't get to? Not not really specifically. I guess if we want to get like a two-minute thing Mark, out of you here, Carlos, and that's, that's going to be – I know this subject is going to be tough to do in two, but changing the draft to the middle of the summer now, for your life – What's that do? Because I know now you're you're writing reports and thinking about the 2024 draft for a month ahead of actually then covering the 23 draft. So, I mean, that's got to be just nuts for you. For me, it is worse personally, just because it does create that overlap in draft classes that you're talking about. Like two weeks before the actual draft, there's a big event in Cary, the PDP League, where all the top 2024 players are at. So covering that before the actual draft of that given year has happened is always a little bit disorienting. And I think it also shortens the window of the summer. So you go from the draft very quickly right into the next class. Uh, and you just have less time during that summer when there's a lot of key events, Cape Cod League, a lot of high school showcases. So it just makes the window compact. And you almost feel like the month leading up to the draft, you're, you're doing a lot of sitting around and doing nothing. There's a benefit to that, and I think you can do more in terms of digging in deeper to a current draft class. Once you have a full college season, you can look into all the stats. You can get a little bit deeper on the players. I think our reports 
are more detailed and better. That's because mm -hmm. of that that timeline and because of some other tools that we have access to now. Um, but no one who's actually involved in the draft, I think, likes this yeah. schedule. I think it is good for the players and good for the fans because I think the draft being tied to the All-Star game is a much better event and much better product on TV. And I also think the fact that players don't have to worry about the draft while they're competing in the College World Series is very beneficial for them. Um, and I don't expect it to change anytime soon just based on the TV ratings uh, okay. that we've had since it's been tied to the All-Star game. So yeah. we'll have to deal with it. Yeah, that's and that's been huge. I I loved seeing the uh, camera spans and seeing the crowd in Seattle this year. I just thought that, you know, compared to when I first started watching MLB Network cover the draft and there's, you know, you can mm -hmm. see the teams and they may have picked out a half a dozen kids to 12 kids that were expected to go first round that are going to be there. And it's basically, mm -hmm. that's all that's there. There's never, you know, there was no fans really. Yeah. So now you have this, it's not by any studio, means NFL draft. The caucus was a much more like artificial environment and now yeah. having a live crowd, being able to do some play ball initiatives to get kids in and get excited mm -hmm. about it. I think just makes it a more fun event for everyone involved. And it seems like it comes across that way, even on TV, which I think is good because it's, it's tough to make the baseball draft as exciting as the NFL and the NBA, just given the, the yeah. timeline that we have to work with with these players. Yeah. Now, I will say Rob Manfred may not think it's more fun to be in a yeah, he, crowd. He, he, he can't like it. He was he was very tired of uh, getting booed very quickly. And the, the contrast when Seattle picked and Ken Griffey came out. Oh, yeah. That was huge. Got versus, versus the cheers for Griffey. Um, you know, he's the commissioner. He's he's paid pretty well to get booed. So he'll, he'll, he'll be fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, <clears throat> we want to thank Carlos Colasso for coming on here from Baseball America. Please follow him, Carlos A C O L L A Z O, on what used to be known as Twitter. Big gentle Ben MJ Govia Palazzo Podcast, two L's, two Z's. Utah. Everybody Give in the two. live chat to crush it. Thanks for bringing your questions. Thanks for interacting. Oh, uh, Helmut wants to jump in and say, Carlos has to come back again. Awesome guest. There you go. We didn't say that. Well, thank you, Helmut. I'm happy to come back anytime. Thank you guys for having me. Hell yes. Yeah. Might have, might have to get Carlos back to talk some Braves sometime. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Right. Happy to so, do it. I got my Tigers questions <laughs> and he feels like he has to get more Braves questions in. So that's cool. Either way, I love what we learned here today. It's really informative what you brought to the table, Carlos. I want to thank you for all this. Good show. Says Gnostic Baseball. That's going to do it. Uh, in 10 minutes, I'm going to be right back with Mike Virginia for another show here on the Palazzo YouTube, Twitch, and so on. So come on back and join us for that one. But for now, thanks again. Carlos, is there anything you want to mention real quick before I leave that we didn't cover, like uh, about what you're doing or something you want to pump out there? Uh, not specifically. We're kind of right. I'm right in the mix of getting onto this 2024 draft class. So if you're a super prospect nerd and you want to know who's coming next, uh, that, that can be found over at BaseballAmerica.com. Uh, little teaser, the 2024 class does not look quite as good as 2023 so if you're picking up high or you just are a fan of the draft you might have a little 2023 hangover because 2024 looks to be a bit down but uh, baseballamerica.com is where you can find all of my work uh, we appreciate you guys if you subscribe and support us over there that that helps me do everything i do so so thank you to those who do and if you just want to check it out i appreciate that that is a honored and long time institution in fact i've been playing some mvp 2005 baseball recently on my ps2 emulator and Elite game. Oh, yeah, it's a great. It's one of the, it's one of the best ever, hands down. But it it has the Baseball mm -hmm. America top 100 prospects in that game, and that was That's almost awesome. 20 years ago. And it's funny who some of those names are, by the way. I've been because it has the 
icon on the player in like their player page when you pull them up in the game. And I'm like, oh God, a lot of these people just came and went. It, it's not Baseball America's fault. I'm just saying that uh, that's, yeah. what, that's well, the game hey, with prospects. Maybe it's our fault. I think it's also the game. Yeah, you're right. The game with prospects. The failure rate is uh, pretty high, like in baseball in general. So, exactly. Like so lasting's millage. It didn't work out. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, 20 years old in 2005, exciting time. But not everything works out. It's just fun to take a look back. And why those reasons happen is what I'm, you know, that's why we like like having people like Carlos on here. They can give us insights into how Mm -hmm. all of these things happen. So thank you so much for the wealth of knowledge you share with us, Carlos. For Benjamin, I'm Michael Govier. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Catch you later. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.